0: Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. So this morning we start a new series Uh, we just finished the book of Philippians and we will be going into the book of Esther right before Christmas and then in the new year we'll start the book of first Corinthians but this morning we start a series I've entitled biblical wisdom for cultural concerns and so I wanted you to know kind of up front we're going to be addressing some touchy subjects. I also want to give you the precursor that you may hear some words that may make you uncomfortable. We're going to be discussing things such as religious freedom, the state and our stance on Israel, poverty, homelessness, America's biggest problem and its only solution, how do we confront spiritual darkness, Abortion and sexual identity. I want you to know that for those last two, abortion and sexual identity, we will have a place for you to take your children and things for them to learn God's word in a different location if you so desire when we cover those two subjects closer to the end of October and the beginning of November. Even today, I wanted to let you know that I may say some things in this message referencing to some inappropriate relationships. I won't go into detail over them, but they will be, uh, it'll be said. You'll watch a video in part of the message today where a man who won't go into that, but he'll say the reason his religious liberty was imposed on was because he refused to do something for a certain type of couple. I just wanted you to know that I've talked with several people, and because we're not going into it, I hope that I don't offend you and offend uh, anything uh, with your children. It is my deepest desire to help equip you to be able to talk about these subjects with your children shall questions arise. Uh, So today, I'm I'm trying to be very guarded in what I say and how I say it. I want you to know that I take your concerns uh, close and near and dear to my heart. There are many issues, I guess, or concerns out there in our culture that we could talk about. And the Bible does address them, each and every single one. So how do we limit that? How do we make that and scale that down to a sizable scope? So I just kind of thought about things that, that are out there, things that I've heard, things that you've spoken to me about, things that I see are the buzzwords in our culture and just put together a series that would cover those because I I want you to know how to think biblically about the issues. I want you to know how to respond with biblical wisdom when they come because here's what I fear has happened far too often is that Christians have just stuck their heads in the sand. And I want you to know how to keep yours up and to keep moving forward. So this morning we will just kind of start by looking at religious freedom. A religious liberty. You may know, or you may have been aware, or now I will make you aware, that during the past few months, a pastor up in Canada was arrested and put in jail on separate occasions for violating the rules about COVID. This pastor simply believed that the Bible said that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So, in trying to accommodate Canada's rules, they decided that they would meet outdoors. Then Canada enforced a limit on how many people could be outdoors, so then they were in violation of the law. Came across an article that kind of detailed this, and I will summarize, but back in February, Pastor Coates turned himself in to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police after his church violated public health restrictions related to COVID-19. The authorities then took the extraordinary step of holding Coates in jail for 35 days for an infraction that is not punishable by jail time. On March the 22nd, Pastor Coach was released from jail and the criminal charges were dropped. Coach returned home to his family and resumed worship with his church. It's important to know that Coach's objections to the health orders were never arbitrary. He made it very clear. Grace Life Church held the religious conviction that the whole congregation must meet together regularly during one service. And that they could not in good conscience allow their emergency health orders authorized by the Alberta Health Act, which restricts their attendance to 15% of buildings, the building's fire code, he said we couldn't do that. Now what I want you to know is, is whether or not you believe their application of the biblical principle to not forsake the assembling of themselves together. Whether you believe that's right or wrong, that's not what I'm talking about. The church was simply just trying to act on what it believed to be true. It was exercising its religious freedom and its religious freedom was taken away. And beloved, that begs the question then, what is religious freedom? Now, I could talk for hours on this subject, but I won't. I'll give you a quick definition. Religious freedom is really the freedom to believe what I believe and the ability to live it out. Religious persecution comes when my religious liberty then is denied. You see, we believe here that at First Baptist Church that God has given us and every single person on the planet the right to religious freedom. Now, Americans, as you well know, have enjoyed the blessings of freedom and liberty. And for the most part, we don't know what it's like to be an Afghanistan believer. But they do and believers around the world do. And I could talk about Afghanistan again today, but I want to talk about somebody else that you may not be as familiar with. That's the country of the little communist neighbor of Vietnam and Cambodia called Laos. If you become a Christian in Laos, you'll be asked to, and even forced to sign a fill in the blank form. And, And here is a copy of the form. If you become a country in this communist, a Christian in this communist nation, you'll be forced to sign something that says this I, fill in your name, who live in your section, believe in a foreign religion which the imperialists have used for their own benefit to divide the united front and to build power themselves against the local authorities. Now my family and I clearly see the intentions of the enemy and regret the deeds which we have committed. We have clearly seen the goodness of the party and the government. Therefore, I and my family voluntarily and unequivocally resign from believing in this foreign religion." If you sign, you promise not to participate in that foreign religion, which in every single case is Christianity. If you do not sign it, you'll be punished by law. You will be humiliated, harassed, and persecuted, and probably most likely tortured in prison. Hundreds of rural Christians have been forced to sign that form and then forced to participate in animistic sacrifices. You see, they know what it's like to be denied religious liberty, but they're in good company. Because the first century believers knew it as well. So I want to take you to our text this morning, which will be found in Acts chapter 5. We're going to reading in Acts chapter 5. So if you have a copy of God's word, open it to Acts chapter 5. If you don't have a copy of God's word, there's one somewhere in the seat pockets there in front of you. If that still doesn't work for you, it'll be up here upon the screen. But I wondered, because I can tell you're getting restless, if you would stand with me once again as we read from God's holy, holy word. Let the word of God begin to speak to us today. Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. But the high priest rose up along with his associates, and that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, even the senate of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who who came did not find them in the prison. They returned and reported back saying, we found the prison house locked quite securely and the guards are standing at the doors. But when we had opened up, we, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported them the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. And when they had brought them, they stood them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. You may be seated and may God bless his word. You see, I wanted to let you know that we really need to hear this message today because our religious liberty is under assault. I don't know if you see it, but, but it is. So we're going to be talking about what it means this morning to have have religious liberty. And and I've kind of broken it down over these three ideas that I see here in the text. The first one is this, that religious liberty certainly is prescribed by God. Religious liberty is certainly prescribed by God. I mean, here in Acts, these men were doing exactly what Jesus had asked them to do. They were believing and acting on what they believed. And this is what Jesus told them to do precisely. They were given the freedom and the authority to do this by God himself. So we ask ourselves, where does religious liberty come from, and then where does it not? Well, first, religious liberty comes from God. Religious liberty comes from God. These men were teaching the people the gospel, this message of life, the text says. They were giving people the opportunity and freedom to know Jesus, to believe on Jesus, to trust him and to follow him. This ability and to be able to follow this creator is found way back in Genesis 1:27. God created man in his own image. In his image of God, he created him male and female, he created him. We have been created in God's image. God has made us image image and given us the freedom to know him by being created in his image. Religious liberty then is something that God gives us by simply being a creation. Thomas Jefferson commenting on this said, it is the most inalienable and sacred of all human rights because it comes from God. But religious liberty does not come from the government. It does not come from the government. Religious liberty does not come from Thomas Jefferson who wrote the Declaration of Independence. Religious liberty does not come from James Madison, the father of the Constitution. Religious liberty doesn't come from the White House. Religious liberty doesn't come from government at all. Religious liberty is about the government recognizing and acknowledging that it has no authority over anyone's soul. Many of the earliest settlers came to America to escape religious persecution. And decades later, the founders of this country considered religious freedom to be of supreme value in the United States. That's why the First Amendment to our U.S. Constitution says these words. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The first half of that establishment, that that is called the establishment Clause, When it says make no law respecting an establishment of religion. In other words, Congress cannot establish by law what you are to believe in. The second part is called the free exercise clause. The government cannot stop you then from living out what you believe. It's our first freedom, and without the freedom of the soul before God, even those who choose to believe in a false understanding of God, even for those who choose not to believe in a God, not a God at all, even without the freedom of the soul for those people, there is no other freedom that's possible. Again, a helpful definition, religious liberty is the freedom to hold one's beliefs and to live out that belief. You and I are free to believe what we believe about God as the creator, about the Bible as his word, about Jesus as his son, about salvation by grace through faith in Christ, about the unchanging standards found in this book established by God. We are free to believe that. But just being free to hold those beliefs like the apostles were is not enough. We have to have the ability to stand by them and to preach them and to teach them. We have to be able to live them in our schools, on our jobs, in the community, and within the halls of government itself. If the only place that you and I can express what we believe is in my home or in my church, we don't have religious freedom. Some people mistakenly believe that we have religious freedom as long as the government doesn't make us stop worshiping or preaching on Sundays. The freedom to worship is much narrower than the freedom of religion. We must be free to share our faith like the apostles and to make a difference outside of where we worship. We have to be free to share the name of Jesus with others, to call upon the name of Jesus in public prayer, prayer, to live our lives without violating our consciences or understanding the Bible. Freedom of religion means the freedom to hold and to live out our beliefs. Why? Because that's how God prescribed it. But does this mean, does this mean that we take our religious freedom to violate people, to abuse people in the name of our religion? God forbid. Does this mean that we try to coerce other people to believe what we believe? Heaven's sake, no. As followers of Jesus, we understand that conversion never comes through coercion. People have to be free to say no to Jesus so that they can truly say yes to Jesus. Does this freedom, though, extend to other religions, church? Yes. And this is the part that so many people are uncomfortable with. And you don't have to like it, but it's true because it has to be free for all or we lose it all together. You may have noticed other people in this city don't believe like we believe. There are other buildings that have all kinds of strange things going on this morning. So they are not allowed to believe that? No, they can believe that. This is a free country as of this morning. And others have to be able to believe what they believe. Religious freedom is given by God, which should be acknowledged and protected by our government. Religious freedom is under assault on our country. And I want you to know that Christians are going to pay the highest price. I don't know if you've noticed it or not. And I'm not trying to be political, but I have to go here. But religious liberty of the Muslim, the religious liberty of the Hindu, the Buddhist, the atheist, and the secularists, they're all okay and doing fine in this country. Their religious liberty is not coming under attack, but the religious liberty of the Christian is. It's in jeopardy. And I want to tell you that behind every single one of these attacks, of our religious liberty is the grander scheme of Satan, who is determined to stop the church of Jesus. He's going to try, but you know he can't. It kind of reminds me about a story I heard about a high school girl whose seven-year-old little cousin He kept asking a girl in his class to be his girlfriend and he asked her to be his girlfriend 59 times. She said no 59 times. So why does he keep on asking? Because that little boy knows she only has to say yes once. (laughs) That's determination and that's exactly what Satan is up to. We may have denied that that we're a religious free country and you can't attack that here, that we have laws to protect it, but I'm telling you, Satan won't give up. He's going to keep trying 59 plus 59 times until finally one Supreme Court decision says, okay, you can persecute them. It's coming but it has certainly been prescribed by God. But Satan will not give up, which leads me where it leads the text here to secondly that religious liberty can be prevented by government. It's certainly prescribed by God, but it can be prevented by government. It can be prevented by those in authority, those making the rules, those who are over us in some way, or even those who aren't. In Acts chapter five, we see this. So what happened to the apostles? The religious authorities, which had civil authority also, denied them the freedom to talk about Jesus. In Acts 5, 27, the Bible says when they had brought them, they stood them before the council. They stood them in the midst of their ruling body, the Sanhedrin. The apostles brought them, were brought in, and they sat in kind of a semicircle. Caiaphas, the high priest, brought charges and commanded them not to teach or speak in that name. He won't even say the name. Verse 28, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, yet you fill Jerusalem with your your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Stop preaching. Stop teaching. Stop saying anything in that name. Stop doing things that represent the name of Jesus. They were denied their religious liberty by the government. Folks, I want you to know in the U.S., we've frequently seen Christians told to stop living out what we really believe. Well, I can give you story after story. I'm only going to mention one story today. Maybe you have heard of Jack Phillips, the cake baker, who was punished and fined by the government for refusing to make a cake for a same-sex couple. Since then, in 2019, the Supreme Court has ruled in his favor Yet between that time and 2019, much harm was done. He was denied his religious freedom and suffered greatly. He was denied the ability to live out what he believed and was made to pay out for how he chose to live out his faith. Philip says that emails and phone calls he received were horrific. They said most of them were just simple profanity. Philip tells a story in his book, The Cost of My Faith. He said that he had to protect his staff and make sure that he took every single phone call. He said that his business was devastated by all the anger of people that were out there. Soon after, they vandalized his store. Then they began to threaten he and his family with death threats. He simply told two men that he couldn't make a cake for their wedding. He told them that he would be glad to serve them in any other way. But because of his faith and what he believed, he couldn't in clear conscience make their cake. So three months later, he was informed by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission that he was being sued and that they ordered him to change his policies and deny his faith. He said, and I was told when I'm at the cake shop, that he couldn't exercise his freedom of religion. One article said the baker said he would have no rights over the design of his cakes anymore, and the incident would force him to report to the commission quarterly for two years as he retrained his staff now to meet government standards. Phillips maintained his stance and fought the government in the court, and like I told you, it was reverse. But now, just recently, Phillips denied a cake to celebrate a gender transition. And now he's back in court again. I want you to see just a quick video of this man and what his story is. Would It's incredibly important to know that it's not who he would bake a cake for. It's what he would bake a cake for. This man is just simply trying to exercise his religious freedom and live what he believes. Can I tell you what's at stake in our country right now with religious freedom? It is over one issue. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get to sexual identity. It's all headed one direction to cause us to deny our faith and go against our conscience. But you may not know it, but what's happening with Jack and with lots of other people in our country has implications for every follower of Jesus. The government has a plan and they're going to put together a plan soon that's going to tell you, you either violate your faith or you will have to break the law and we will punish you. From you can't pray in school to now you can't say that about that couple because it's hate speech to now we have to have my notes and the government has to approve them. It's coming. Make no mistake that the suppression and denial of religious liberty is widespread in other countries. And many of our brothers and sisters are in prison and suffering for simply following Jesus. So therefore, I'm telling you that you and I have to adopt a proper theology of persecution and suffering. Which tells me then, finally, our last point. That religious liberty can be defended by the godly. So what do we do when our religious liberty is prevented? Brothers and sisters, Acts chapter 5 verse 29 tells us. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The Bible tells us in Romans and in other places that we are to submit to the authorities. I believe this, that we are to submit to every law of our land. But when man's laws force me to break God's laws, I have to keep God's laws. I am not telling you that this is not hard. I'm not telling you that this will not have dire consequences. I'm not telling you that this may mean some hard things for some very hard situations for some people, but can I tell you this? We do not have to choose God over man in a way that is filled with arrogance that is filled with a defiant spirit we can do this in humility simply put we have to obey god rather than man and in the meantime though we must rely upon people that can help us protect our religious freedom our beliefs are being impacted by federal, state, and local laws. Again, this is around one set of issues, and really, it, it, it relating to those, and I must say it, the LBGTQ+, it, it's there. That's where these issues are at. We can see it in adoption agencies, and schools are now warned to either surrender to the revolution, or they will be punished by laws that we passed soon in our country. This moral revolution is attacking our religious liberty and thus we need more and more people to stand up and protect our religious liberty. We can't just sit down and shut up. There's some people who do that, like with Jack Phillips, the Alliance Defending Freedom. But we also currently right now have our Supreme Court doing this. But can I tell you, again, I'm not trying to be political, but this is why it's so important. You vote based on your Bible because those making the laws of our land and our Supreme Court will or will not affect our religious liberty. For example, in an article, August 16, 2021, last week, the case of Starkey versus Roncalli High School and Archdiocese of Indianapolis, a federal court in Indianapolis, Indiana, Indiana ruled in favor of the Indianapolis Archdiocese. They upheld its right to provide students and families with an authentic Catholic education. What went down? In short summary fashion, one of their teachers had recently got married to another woman. And so they didn't renew her contract to teach the next year because it was in violation of the Catholic faith. So this teacher sued the school, but the Supreme Court ruled and said that you can The Supreme Court cannot forbid and the Supreme Court cannot interfere in important personnel decisions of churches and religious schools. That's a victory for now. Or it's like religious liberty in one of our own InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. It's been on Iowa's campus there for 25 years with the mission of courageously proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior, engaging in discipleship around Scripture and loving people of every ethnicity and culture. But when they began to promote a certain way of living... They were sued and forced to deregister their group on their school's campus because it stood for a certain particular persuasion of how the Bible says that we are male and female. So they were forced to deregister something that had been there for 25 years. But Beckett, a law firm, sued the university on behalf of InterVarsity. And on August the 6th, the University of Iowa was decided against and InterVarsity was ruled in favor of just last month. So, we need alliances, we need the Supreme Court, we need laws protecting our religious freedom. But, can I tell you what happens when there's no one to protect your freedom? Very quickly, I want to tell you that we have to be prepared. When we break man's laws and obey God, there will be consequences. So, what do we do? Very quickly, we engage. Recognize the seriousness of this issue and don't take it for granted. You have to stay engaged with what's happening. Secondly, equip. Stay informed about the issues. Go to places like the Family Research Council, FRC.org, or our own Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, Southern Baptists, we have our own ethics and religious liberty commission who represents us in Washington. Part of the monies that you gave today, part of them will be sent to our convention, will help pay the salaries for those people to defend our freedom, and they have every single day articles on our religious freedoms. Go there and equip yourself on how to defend religious liberty in your school and in your family. And then embrace Help promote a culture of religious freedom. Listen to me. The law will not do this alone. There must be a culture of religious freedom. We must insist on it where people can live it out. You have to stand up and embrace the fact that you may be the only person vying for religious freedom where you're at. Express. Take opportunities to express your faith in Christ. Listen to me. I don't say this to guilt you. I say this to you as the sad, true reality. The sad reality is that most Christians will not be affected by what is coming because they continue to remain silent about Jesus. The high priest stood up and he said, listen, you've got to stop because you filled Jerusalem with your teaching. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I want to be a church that's told stop because you're already filling the Grange. Expect. You just have to expect that this is coming. Again, I try to keep my political persuasions out of this pulpit, and this is not a political persuasion. This is just the facts. But with President Obama now with President Biden, our religious liberties have taken more assault than they ever have. But nevertheless, we should expect it more and more. There will not be a savior next election. Our hope is not in our government. Our hope is in the gospel and our God. But you and I have to be ready when the tide turns against the church. You should not be shocked. You should be prepared. So then lastly, what do we do? We execute. We have to know how to respond to persecution. Can I just tell you, you teenagers, let me just speak a word to you. Don't let your peers pressure you and keep you from obeying God. Parents, don't let your workplace pressure you and keep you from obeying God. Receive the human consequences for obedience to God, but do so without being bitter. We have to adopt the theology that the disciples considered it an honor to suffer for the name of Christ. We have to receive those consequences and do so without bitter and that's because we have been taught the gospel that says we love when that love is not returned. Remember God's greater purposes for when we suffer. Peter knew what it was like to be beaten and put in prison and he tells us in 1 Peter, he says this, 1 Peter chapter four, he says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. And then he says this in verse 16, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name church we don't know anything like that but it's coming and we have to be prepared man I wonder if you would come you see religious liberty certainly is prescribed by God it can be prevented by the government but beloved it can be protected by the godly can I share something with you this morning that Some of you may wonder what today was really all about, and you're like, I don't really get all this religious liberty stuff. Can I just tell you something? Maybe the reason God brought you here today was to hear this. Peter says that the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. Can I just tell you today very quickly that Jesus crossed Jesus Christ died upon a cross because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But I've got some really maybe offensive news. You and I are all sinners. There's not a single person within the sound of my voice that's not sinned against God. The Bible says that we've all sinned. And the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. So therefore, listen, beloved. Every single one of us has been born separated from God. We're in our sin. We've already dead spiritually because we're separated from God, but then we will die physically physically. And forever be separated from God. But you have to understand that's why Jesus came. Peter says that Jesus died on a cross. Because God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son on that cross. That if you and I would just believe that Jesus died to pay our debt. He would give us life because, verse 31, he says he is the one whom God exalted to the right hand as a prince and a savior. That's what we say we need to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the wages of sin, which is death and separation. But Jesus came and he rose from the dead and he was raised back up into heaven, an acceptable sacrifice for us that if we would just trust what Jesus did and turn from our sin and ask God to forgive us, we could be saved. That's why he says to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Then the Bible says, but we're witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who God has given to those who obey him. Can I tell you today that maybe your first step of getting religious freedom is simply just to get the freedom that this Jesus brings. I'm not trying to convince you I'm not trying to coerce you. I'm just trying to put this out there. That if you have never given your life to Jesus, beloved, just as God loves, God judges. But I want you to know that Jesus today, this is our gospel, this is our hope, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And here's what I want you to understand. It's because God loves you that he doesn't want to judge you. You are so valuable to him that he would send Jesus for you. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and we're going to stand to our feet, and, and I want you to respond. If you've never received Christ, just come grab me by the hand or some other people who will be up here and say, hey, man, can I talk about Jesus? But then I want you to also maybe during this invitation Maybe to pray for the religious liberty that maybe you know some of your friends are suffering for or maybe you haven't been as bold as you need to be because of fear, but you're being convicted today that you need to obey God rather than man and there's a situation you're facing you wanna pray about that. There could be other things that you wanna pray about, but I'm gonna pray. We're gonna stand and sing and you come. Holy Spirit, would you have your way? And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?